What's up, man? This is Max Crosby, former Eastern Michigan Eagle, and you're listening to the Full 10 Yards College Podcast. You already know the deal. Just win, baby. Eyes peeled, everyone. It's time for the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. And welcome to the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Thanks to Max Crosby there for the new intro. Um, yeah, got him to come on. You know, big friend of the pod now. Obviously, uh, doing quite well with the Raiders this year. Having a nice season over there. Good team develop out of Eastern Michigan. Um, so, yeah, back. Obviously, I've not been on the podcast for quite a while. Maxwell and Rob sent me in and doing a great job last time. So, Maxwell, we're not talking for a while. How are you? Okay. Doing well, thank you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. A nice Christmas break, but now we're um, seems like we're back into the thick of it again. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, a lot of ball games and New Year Six balls going on over the Christmas and New Year period. Obviously, culminating in the, the final, obviously on Monday next week. Um, so obviously today we're going to get into a little bit of all that. To be honest with you, we're going to concentrate mainly on the college football semi-finals and um, go deep into those games because the two great games, um, two contrasting games at that. Obviously, we'll go into that. Then we'll touch on a few things about the balls and then finish off with a bit of news about one of our, I guess, favourite coaches that we've uh, been speaking about quite a little bit and um, moving on into the next stage of his career, but obviously that's for later on. So yeah, let's get into it. Let's, uh, let's talk some semi-finals. Previous play is under review. So um, let's open up with, you know, let's go in chronological order. Let's, let's um, open up with the LSU versus Oklahoma game. Obviously, first seed versus the fourth seed. And Maxwell just, I, think, I guess when I put it like that, it kind of looked like it, didn't it? It was, um, yeah. I mean, it was dominant performance. I think everyone expected LSU. Yeah, everyone expected LSU to win. Um, Oklahoma were very much the underdogs. Um, however... You know, an eight-touchdown performance by Joe Burrow uh, with over 500 yards altogether is is mad. You know, you would never expect to see that at this level of football. And and uh, um, the 28 points that Oklahoma put up were was generous, to be honest. Um, <laughs> it really was. Yeah. Um, so I mean, it's hard. To, it's hard to take loads away, other than the fact that Oklahoma were just clearly outmatched. Mm. Um, you know, we've talked about this LSU receiving core every single week, basically, because they're <laughs> they're 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 amazing. But but it was quite clear that Oklahoma's defensive backs are, were just not able to keep up. They ran a lot of man coverage at start, and that they just couldn't they couldn't win the one on ones. Um, no. Justin Jefferson, obviously, had uh, four touchdowns and he, he made it look easy. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think the offense in general for LSU just made it look easy. It was kind of astounding. I don't know how you felt as you were watching it. I was amazed at like, the efficiency and how easy they were able to cut Oklahoma open. Joe Burrow just looked like he, he looked like an NFL player that had been sort of dropped into the game. And I guess that's why he's going to go number one overall Cincinnati in a few weeks or a few months, should I say. But yeah, just to put up seven touchdowns through the air and obviously bring another one as you mentioned, just I don't know, it was surgical, wasn't it? It was just and they just looked like relentless at it as well. It just like there was gonna be no let up and up just like you say, just couldn't keep up with it. It was quite astounding. Yeah, I think surgical's a good way of putting it. It was just um I mean it was it's hard to it's hard to overestimate um how good they were. You know, one of the greatest college football dominant performances we've ever mm. seen. So absolutely 
So fair play to them. I mean, they were the better side significantly and um, now they've got a real test next time around against the current champions. Mm. Yes, no, definitely. Um, it seems that we've not actually paid that much attention to Baltimore. We'll rectify that shortly. Um, I just want to give a quick shout out to a guy on the defense. Obviously, everyone has been concentrating on LSU's offense, and obviously, it was amazing. Like you say, you mentioned a few people. I want to give a shout out to Thad Moss as well, just really quickly, because I thought he played a really good game, and he's becoming off a really, really good tight end, I think. But just on the on the defense, I thought uh, Caleb on the chase and he stepped it up another level, and I've I've not really been paying too much attention to him in kind of sort of pre-draft um, sort of mindset that I've got in that, into now. But he really jumped off the page for me. You know, a couple of sacks, lots of good tackles, just look everywhere, just look like an athletic freak. I just think he he's really bolting himself up there. And you know, when we're talking about the edge rankings, um, you know, moving forward to the draft, obviously Chase Young's up there as the sort of edge number one. Pretty much everyone, you know, best player in the draft for me. And I think for you as well. But after that, it's a bit hazy. You know, there's a little bit of competition amongst that. But uh, I think Caleb and Chase really is bolting up there for me and you know, might be in my top two or three edges at the end of, you know, when things are all said and done. How about you? What do you think about him? I am, um, <clears throat> I'm a little bit more hesitant on Chase than most because anyone that's watched him this season in these couple of big games where he's mm. had a couple of good performances, I can see why they're so excited about him. Mm. He has had two of his best games in the biggest yeah, moments. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, but his early season performance this year and his 2018 tape was really underwhelming yeah. for no, me. I like his Texas that, yeah. film was, he, he, he looked like, um, <clears throat> he almost looked like the old LSU pass rusher Arden Key, like mm. had talent, <laughs> but, but clearly lazy and, and, and took loads of plays off. I yeah. thought he was that guy. Um, but if I had to give him a bit of a pro comparison, I think the guy he reminds me of um, is uh, actually a former Clemson player, Vic Beasley. Um, he, he's got elite speed off the edge. Um, maybe it also a little, reminds me a little bit of Jerry Hughes as well in the NFL for the Bills, a guy who will beat you with speed and also has power. I just don't think he's a refined um, I don't think he's got a refined hand fight game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think that's a limitation of him. Whereas a guy like Curtis Weaver is, in my opinion, much more developed as a pass rusher. But Chasen is a crazy athlete. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if he can tighten up some of those skills, uh, I think he could be a really good player. And most importantly, I think a top uh, first round side, or at the very least a, first, a team in the first round, will will be looking to take a, a flyer on him um, because he's not perfect yet but he's certainly very talented sure no i appreciate that i i do understand that obviously his production previously wasn't that fantastic and i do agree with you that it's not all been there on a lot of sports you know beforehand but i think as the season's gone on this year i think he's got better and better and i think it's time to click you know you, you just kind of go up that plateau i think a little bit as a player and it just like I say it just clicks a little bit. I think we're seeing that now, and I think the the athletic upside that he's got really is getting me excited. So I think there's a play in I think it's in the October game where you know he would have been rushing the passer, and then it was a running play. Might have been Kenzie Brooks, let's say, you know, made a few yards and chasing chasing down, and he made the tackle from behind, and it was just like a crazy athletic play that just makes you like they just jumps the page for me. So I think if we can see more of that, I think you know the combine's gonna be really important. I think it's gonna be one where he really like makes you still take notice. 
I think, yeah. Yeah, may, be, maybe, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> He's yeah, certainly a good player. I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, and, yeah, obviously, we both found the Curtis Reeves as well. But, you know, it, it, I think, you know, there's no real definite edge to it at the moment. So, I think, you know, it's all for grabs. And, you know, we'll see that obviously develop over the National Championship game with Chaser and then other people's over things like the Combine and Pro Days we'll see over the next, you know, coming months. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think one, I think one thing that we we mentioned about Oklahoma, uh, I think when we were texting during the game is they just couldn't get the running game going, and that's just where they suffered really, wasn't it? Yeah, it was um, the least rushes they've had in the game all year. Um, I mean, obviously they weren't getting a lot of rush yards, but they just didn't commit to it. And their whole offense, the whole um, Lincoln Riley, you know, people talk about how many pass yards they've got, but. Their whole thing is built off of um, the kind of QB counter and the uh, and the different power plays and the bash plays they run, uh, the back away stuff. You know, all of that is pivotal to what they do on offense. And they were not running the ball, but they were choosing not to run. They were passing the ball on first and second down, just to zero effect. Um, LSU's defense isn't perfect, but they have found a really good stride. And they, they play man coverage pretty well. Um, mm. And Oklahoma's receivers just couldn't get away from them. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Um, yeah, I completely agree with everything you said, to be honest with you. It was just kind of played into LSU's hands that they just couldn't get them on the game going. And they kind of betrayed their own philosophy a little bit that, you know, they didn't even, you know, they went away from what they've done so well the whole season. And obviously we were both big fans of Oklahoma throughout the season. And it kind of, I don't want to say ruined it as a contest because Oklahoma kind of went away from what they're good at, but it kind of did <laughs> because it made it easy for LSU to get off and off the field. Mm. And, you know, their offense yeah. just, just kicked into gear so easily. And, you know, by the time it was half time, it was, well, it was going by the first quarter, really. But, you know, when you're looking at a, a score of 49 to 14 at half time, <laughs> it's well and truly gone. Which is a shame because I think this could have been a better game and it could have been a closer game. Um, we know there's going to be a lot of points in this game, but we need to be as one side, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, very fair. Uh, I just want to touch on one last thing on this game, obviously with Oklahoma. Obviously, we saw Spencer Rattler for a little while. Do we think that Spencer Rattler is the next QB uh, for OU? Or do we think we're going to see another transfer come in? Mm, from all the talk, uh, this is the first time that they've had a guy who they're comfortable with, who hasn't, who's already been there. So the, the, the rumors are he is the guy. Um, I think, you know, I don't really know enough about him yet. I don't think anyone does. No. Um, but, but Lincoln Riley may have lost this game, but he's still a great coach. So whatever he yeah. decides to go with, I have faith it'll be the right decision. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd, I'd go along with that for sure. Um, you know, you don't just become a bad coach overnight or because you've lost one game. There's a reason why, you know, his offense has been so good. He's getting NFL links. His QBs win the Heisman or in Heisman contention for the last three years and, and beyond. So, yeah, no, I think I think he's still a good coach. And I still, I think Oakland will come back next year, no matter who's in the centre. Oh, well, not in the centre, but you know what I mean? Um, and they'll, they'll come back and they'll have a good programme there. And we'll see them maybe pushing for first contention next year. Let's move on to the second semi-final between the Ohio State Buccaneers and the Clemson Tigers. This one was a lot closer. Um, what do you think of this one? How, how did this one go? Because it was uh, threatening to get out of hand at one point you know, for, uh, for Ohio State, but in the early, early stages. 
I mean, what a fantastic game of football. Mm. We saw two teams at their peak. We saw two quarterbacks who are, you know, very, very um, well-deserved of all the praise they've received. Um, really, this was a um, just a phenomenal game of football. Uh, could have been proud of, to be this. This could have been a national championship game many years. These sides are so good. Mm. Um, just two amazing defences and... Um, offenses that have got talent as well as well schemed I mean it was just so fun to watch and like you said really it was the, J- the JK Dobbins show to begin with mm-hmm. yeah you know, Travis Etienne Travis Etienne it's not like he wasn't well he didn't run the ball great but they weren't running the ball with Etienne or Clemson mm-hmm. Clemson were, were deliberately running the ball with Trevor Lawrence because that's what they thought was the best way to win meanwhile on the Ohio State side of the ball, J.K. Dobbins was flying. He had two massive um, a touchdown run and then one that set up a touchdown. And they very much exploited the linebackers of Clemson. Mm-hmm. And if you had to say there was one weak area of Clemson's defense, it is those two middle linebackers. Um, they're just not the same athletes that a lot of the other guys are on the defense. They're, they're not guys that are going to get drafted. Um, sure. and, uh, uh, and they really exploited that. They showed what they could do. But everyone talks about how good uh, Coach Brent Venables is, and it showed. They they really helped bottle up um, that OSU rushing attack, and OSU only put up seven points, as we know, in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just such a brilliant uh, performance in the second half um, from the Clemson defense primarily. Uh, and, of course, uh, when he needed it, the, the big man himself, the national championship winner, Trevor Lawrence, came good. Um, and you can't underestimate how uh, amazing of a footballer he is I mean amongst the ranks of greatest college football quarterbacks of all time he really now has to be in that discussion he's mm. he's that kind of guy and uh, cannot wait to see him uh, have a chance against Burrow himself yeah it's going to be a really great match isn't it between the two Tigers and I think one thing I'm looking forward to is exactly the guy that you just mentioned a moment ago Brent Venables defense coming up against Joe Brady and this LSU offense that should be a real titanic battle, I think, because obviously we've all, we've all spoke about, you know, the LSU offense, as you said, um, throughout the season. But Brent Venables and his defensive acumen and the defense that he can put out is it's going to be quite a challenge, really. It's probably going to be the biggest challenge that LSU's offense has faced, what do you think? I, I totally agree. I mean, this just from pure... Even without Venables, this is the most talented defense they've faced mm. all year. Yeah, sure. By quite a long way. Mm. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I know Auburn were good and uh, but th- not this level. Uh, Bama are great as well, but they haven't had a good year. Um, this is a fantastic defense. And as I mentioned, they've got a couple of weak areas, but the place they're not weak is in the defensive um, defensive back unit. Mm-hmm. And that's led by the nickelback Isaiah Simmons, who got a, who, uh, who got a big inception in this game. You know, he's being talked about now as kind of, I've seen people now predicting him as a top five pick because he's one of those guys that can do everything. He's not just a linebacker. He's not just a safety. Um, big inception in this game on Justin Fields. And and he showed, um, even though he's shown weaknesses in man coverage, he showed how good he could be. Um, and if there's any defensive back unit that can stop uh, Joe Burrow's uh, mighty passing uh, offense, well, it's this team. Um, they're, they're hungry for it. They showed how dominant they could be in the second half. And um, I am so excited to watch them play. Yeah, definitely. Um, Isaiah Simmons is kind of that new age kind of chess piece that everyone talks about, you know, like you're doing James, you're doing Fitzpatrick's. 
And I think I mocked him to the Jags at number nine in my latest mock draft. But like you said, um, I've seen many people sort of mocking, especially to the Giants at four. I think that seems to be a popular spot for him now. And I think one thing that I mentioned in my mock was that I'm quite amazed that anyone got this guy to play defense because, you know, he's six foot four, 220 or something like that, 210 maybe. And he's just a pure athlete. You know, these guys just are usually catching touchdowns and, you know, making catches, not raising these things. Um, so it's good, to, good for the defense to kind of level it up with an athlete like that that they can call for. But he's going to be a valuable commodity at the NFL level, I think, and something, someone that we're going to see a lot of uh, trying to neutralize all the threats that LSU have. Because obviously he plays all over the defense. He plays pretty much everywhere at some point, um, apart from maybe defensive tackle. So, you know, Ben Brennan is going to be able to move him around and try and nullify LSU as much as he can. And obviously we've got a few players that we like as well. You know, in the back, I know you're a big kind of AJ Terrell. And um, so, yeah, no, it's, it's really, it's really a game that we can be sort of really um, sort of waiting <laughs> our appetite for. AJ Terrell's a guy. I mean, that's a, that is honestly that's a battle I was about to point out because they will be putting AJ Terrell on um, maybe Jamar Chase, maybe just for, I'm not sure, but but whoever is up against Terrell, good luck to them because he had an amazing game. Mm. Uh, he really did. And to be honest, not knocking Akuda too much, but AJ Terrell was the best cornerback in this game. Um, Jeff Okuda showed me some great stuff I really loved his physicality on the uh, Ohio State defense he came down and made a couple of massive hits in the first quarter mm. which was so good to see yeah, he I think a few people, oh yeah and, and I think people had called him a little bit soft before and he was he was um, trying to prove it but Jeff Okuda got beat by T Higgins in man coverage a couple of times uh, maybe even three times um so, you know, we've seen Jeff Okuda get beat. We haven't seen AJ Terrell get beat all year long. And he's now going to go up against the best receiving core maybe in college football history. So, um, let's see that because this is going to be so exciting. I mean, AJ Terrell is, for me, I mean, people are talking about Akuda, but I have AJ Terrell just behind Akuda as the top defensive, one of the top defensive backs in the, in the class. Mm. Um, and I am really excited to see how he can go up against um, some of these receivers. Uh, that's going to be a great matchup. It kind of reminds me of what we were talking about when Alabama and LSU played each other. We were kind of talking about Kevin Diggs like this. You know, you want to see Kevin Diggs tested. And in that game as well, it's Christian Fulton against Alabama's wide receivers. We want to see those guys tested. And we, I think we were a bit cooler on Diggs than we were Christian Fulton at that time. And you know, Christian Fulton played a really good game in that game. Um, Trevor Diggs got burned quite a bit, so maybe we're going to see the same kind of thing for Terrell in this one in the national championship. I, I, honestly, I just don't think Diggs is that good. I mean, Diggs is one of these kind of body beautiful guys who people love because of of how physical he is and how big he is. I just don't think he's that good a cornerback. Mm. Whereas <clears throat> three guys, Akuda, um, Fulton. Akuda from OSU, Fulton from LSU, and uh, AJ Terrell from Clemson, I think are, are way, way above him. Um, I really don't have them, uh, Diggs the same level. And as much as I don't think AJ Terrell is going to be able to keep a clean sheet this game, because mm-hmm. good luck. <laughs> it's pretty difficult. <laughs> to him again. <laughs> yeah, I think he'll have a good game. And uh, to be honest, he's not the one who they're going to pick on because he's not the weak link there. Um, AJ Terrell's just too good um, so uh, yeah I'm really excited to see that battle because he is a very good player Simmons is a very good player mm. and Venables just you know uh, this top level of football 
OSU are a really good example of a team that they've got loads of good players, so they keep it really simple. They run cover three, they run cover one, and that's what they do. They don't do anything else. They're just going to make you beat their really good players. Yeah, um, especially but Clint, yeah. Of course, but but Clemson is something different. The number of formations that Venables gets out there, the the number of different things he does. He rolls from a four-two to a three-three just before the snap. I mean, offensive lines are always going to struggle because not only does he bring heat, you know, he blitzes five and six quite a lot of the time, but he's doing it in really inventive and clever ways. Mm. And he's a future head coach of some lucky program. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think that's one that's been moving quite a lot um, you know, throughout this time because he's obviously risen to the top and one of the best defensive minds in college football. At, you know, I think in, at the moment, quite easily, I would say. Yeah, I agree. So let's have a prediction then. Um, who's going to come out on top, LSU or Clemson for yourself? I know you rolled with Clemson beforehand when we were kind of putting out there before the semi-final. Are you sticking with that? It, it just feels like it feels like the um, Dan Marino, uh, Tom Brady unbeaten seasons. That's what it feels like. It feels like they haven't faced that team who is just a bad matchup for them. Mm. And I think when it comes to it, if if one team needs to win in the last few seconds of the game, as much as Joe um, Joe Burrow is an amazing player, we know that Trevor Lawrence can go and do that, and we mm. know that Clemson's defense can stand up in the biggest moment. So, if I assume this is going to be a close game, I think Clemson win. I do think there is a small scenario where LSU win comfortably because they're just that good. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think the most likely thing is that Clemson win a close one. Um, but again, good luck to them because this is <laughs> one of the best offences we've ever seen. Yeah, sure. So am I reading it right that you think that Clemson might win because their defence is better than LSU's defence and we can kind of call their offences relatively <clears throat> similar? I, I honestly don't think LSU's offensive line is that good. I think um, no, I think I that LSU, I think that LSU are an amazing offense, and their their offensive line are a good run blocking line. Mm. But on a one on one situation in the Alabama game, they lost those battles. They were losing one on one battles, and it was just because Joe Burrow is that good that they were able to still pass the ball. Mm-hmm. But this Clemson defensive back unit is better than that they are better than what we've seen out of Bama this year so I don't think they're going to have all those big plays so yeah I think that will be the difference maker yeah I, got, I mean I think I mean I can understand where you're coming from I don't agree because I think LSU are going to win because I just think their offense is just it's just too good like you said I think you've, you've hit the nail on the head a little bit I think it's one of the best offenses I've ever seen at any level anywhere I think just, they can just blow away anyone on the day you know they put up points yeah. like he's going out of fashion so I just think that's just going to be too strong for anyone it's just one of those things where it's like a perfect storm Burrow's come from let's say not nowhere but you know he's come he's had the perfect season that offense is ticking the defense is talented as well it's got a lot of good players and I just think it's just going to be too much for anyone personally yeah. that's, not, that's my take anyway I mean I, it could go completely the way because I completely understand where you're coming from but and I agree with what, with what, what you're saying it's definitely fair, and they are Bucky's favourites for a reason. Um, they've had an unbelievable season, um, but um, but yeah, I'm so excited for it. What mm-hmm. a quality championship game we've got in store for us! Exactly, I think that's the that's 
a real key thing. I think, you know, maybe early on in the season we disagreed about, you know, who might get in the top four and things like that. But I think when it comes down to it, we've got the best two teams in the country. What do you think? I think Definitely, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, people can say what they want. Ohio State before, you know, obviously we saw, you know, the Clemson are better than them because they beat them in a close game. Yeah, totally agree. I think this is the right one, and um, yeah, we, we should all be um, so lucky that we're seeing such a uh, such an interesting matchup. Um, two uh, incredible programs, and um, you know, two teams that are going to look very different next year with Burrow going, and potentially the rumours are that Brady might leave as well. Um, and then on the other side, you've got um, whatever happens to Ohio State's offense without Fields, and uh-huh. uh, you know, so we'll see. But um, um, Clemson losing, Clemson losing a couple of big players as well. I can't think who it is. But this, Simmons, Simmons Terrell, yeah, Terrell. Higgins. Yeah. So they're losing a number of players as well. So this whole playoff bracket is losing so many of these excellent players, and mm. just a good opportunity for us to see them all one more time. Yeah, definitely. I think it. I think that's what I'm taking from it. Every time I've gone to watch an LSU game this season because of the season that Joe Burrow is having, it's been like a pleasure just to go and like sit down for a few hours and just watch him like operate that offense. And you get it one more time, that's obviously really valuable and something you've got to kind of hold on to and like just make the most of it, I think. Yeah, looking forward to it. So yeah, looking forward to it. Obviously that is next Monday um, evening, obviously, well, early on Tuesday for us uh, in the UK. So yeah, get your, get your naps in in the evening when you come home from work on Monday, stay up. Um, it's early down on Tuesday and, and soak it all in. If not, get it recorded and uh, yeah, watch it. Try and avoid the scores as we always do. Um, so yeah, no, wrap that up. Um, good chat. We'll see what we do next week when we come back after the after the uh, the finals done and we'll sort of pick the bones out of it. So what we're gonna do next? We're gonna just pick the bones out of bowl season. So that's uh, that's wrapped up now. <laughs> So what we're going to do uh, with the bowls, we're just going to have a couple of questions about it. Obviously, there's, there's so many bowls, we're not going to go into sort of each one. Um, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of look at the shocks. <clears throat> there's quite a few shocks uh, throughout the whole of the sort of bowl program. Kind of pick out our favourite shock and our sort of favourite game of um, of all of them. So Max, why don't you start us off with your uh, your big shock of the of the bowl season? Okay, so honestly, there have been a number of them, like a few of the, not just based on the rankings or, you know, the uh, the, the betting lines, but just just more of also the blowouts we've seen. Um, really, really, really interesting. Um, and I could have gone a number of ways with this. Um, as I said, there was a there was a few really uh, really big ones and surprising ones. Um, so I think the one that I'm going to go for, which is a little bit different, a little bit out there, <clears throat> is um, the uh, Temple North Carolina game. Okay. Um, you know, not uh, obviously not two sides anyone massively on, but Temple are, have been one of the best defenses in college football this season. Yeah, sure. um, I've talked about Rod Carey before, their head coach, a guy who I admire I think he's a brilliant coach I think he does some uh, fantastic things on the defensive side of the ball and they were going to go into a close game with North Carolina we all knew that but for, for them to lose is one thing but they lost 55 
of 13. They couldn't keep up. They, they didn't look like they were in the same uh, level. And North Carolina really have had a disappointing year. You know? Yeah, sure. yeah So that was an absolute shocker. I mean, I didn't see it coming. It was one of them where it was against all the betting lines as well. And, and the volume of victory was just... Um, Really, really um, not what was expected. So, uh, shame to see Temple end their season like that because I think he's an excellent head coach. But, um, yeah, that was uh, that was one that shot me, certainly. Yeah, for sure. No, I can definitely go along with that. Obviously, Temple is a team that you've talked about quite a lot. And to see that they then sort of concede 55 points was, yeah, a bit eye-opening for me, personally. Um, I think it's not one that I am going to pick as my shot, but I think the biggest shot was um, Louisiana Tech beating Miami 14 to zip. Obviously, Miami haven't had a great season, but I just thought that was quite shocking in quite a low-scoring game. Um, just to see that happen, because obviously it's a big program, big historic program for Miami Hurricanes. Losing out, and not even put up a point against Louisiana Tech. So I thought that was quite shocking, but that's not my big shot. So no, I'm pleased you pulled that out because one of the ones I could have gone for as well. And obviously, 14-0 sounds like, oh, well, they must have had a terrible um, game on offense. And they really did. Mm. Uh, underrated defense from Louisiana Tech. They're not, an, they're not a, a, a franchise or a, a program that's known for their defense. In fact, mm. they, were, they were famously a, an offensive-led side for many years. But their defense has been fantastic this year. They shut down the run. Uh, they really, really hindered the passing game as well. Um, so it was actually a fantastic defensive performance and just more of a, um, a very clear summary of, uh, of, of what Miami's year was like. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, I think it just, it just made, it, it kind of brought to an end a, a pretty bad season for that program. Yeah, definitely. It's actually just reminded me just as you kind of bring up Miami's year. Obviously, they were the opening game against Florida. And um, we were kind of speaking at the start of the season about um, Jaron Williams and the sort of quarterback situation, you know, maybe Tate Martell. Getting quite excited about Miami and thinking Miami was going to have a good year. And <laughs> this is what it's kind of culminated in. Um, and yeah, I think it's, like you say, I think it's, it's quite a fitting end to the way that their season sort of panned out, really. Yeah, so, so um, disappointing. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Especially, like I say, for such a big programme that's had such a, a rich history. So my, uh, my shock is actually along the same lines as, as yours, really, a little bit. It's between two good teams, but mine's um, Florida Atlantic blowing out SMU. Yeah, now, obviously this huge. Is, you know, Florida Atlantic, good team, had a good season. Uh, obviously, Lane Kiffin has now got his big move to Ole Miss. But I think this is quite shocking in the fact that, you know, SMU are a team in the American Conference that we've talked about quite a lot and we've talked Big up the American Conference quite a lot throughout the season. You know, a lot of good teams at the top of that conference with, you know, the likes of Navy, Memphis, SMU, um, and I'm probably missing someone. Um, but, you know, to have, to have uh, them. Tulane. Tulane, sorry, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, but, you know, to have them see two points to Florida Atlantic, who's from Conference USA, is definitely a smaller conference in my mind with like the talent. And, you know, Shane Bichelle not, not played that well in terms of, you know, he only passed one touchdown, he only threw just over 50%. I don't know, it's a bit of a, it was not the way around that I thought it would be. You know, I thought this would be a good game between two good teams, but definitely not as one-sided as this. Yeah, I mean, it was quite interesting, actually. I've been watching uh, SMU all year long, and even though um, Bichelle's numbers don't look bad, a couple mm. of the, the, the passing yards he got were on trick plays as well, so... They were actually inflated. He actually had a worse game than that. Mm-hmm. Um, Florida Atlantic's defense was good, 
But that passing attack from Lane Kiffin was fascinating. I mean, Roberson is without you know, you know I don't want to beat up on Roberson or anything, but Roberson isn't a amazing quarterback. He is a guy yeah. who's pretty limited. Um, doesn't have the best arm, doesn't have the best decision making, but um, the, the, you know, loads of spread uh, looks. You know, they're in four wide, they're in five mm. wide, and they ran the ball just well enough to keep them honest. And when it came to the point when they were passing the ball, um, he passed excellently. You know, uh, it's a very nice scheme that Kiffin's got. He gives him a lot of simple reads. You know, it's a one-man throw. You know, it's a rollout, and you've got to throw it to this guy, um, kind of thing. Uh, very, very simplistic, but I can't wait to see him take that to a bigger program now because, you know, we've seen him do it before a little bit, but I think this is the, an evolution. I really do. I think Lane Kiffin's offense now, he's previously been in programs where he's had good players, oh, and now he's, he's, he's gone and he's sharpened his craft at a program where they haven't got the best players, and he's really learned what can work, and, and I'm excited for it. Um, I was not the biggest Lane Kiffin fan before, and I think – no one was because, you know, he's, he's not been perfect. But um, what a great way to end this season and um, way to build up some uh, excitement for next season. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, um, you, um, Ole Miss wants to watch for you next year then with kicking at the helm. Yeah, I, I think so. I think it could be good. Oh, cool. Well, we've got a bit of, uh, bit of uh, talk next year already. Uh, let's talk about favourite bowls then. Uh, who, you, who took place in yours? When we faced that. What was your favourite bowl that you saw this year or? Um, I mean, there have been some really good ones. Um, uh, the one that I was most excited for before we said on the last podcast was Air Force Washington State, and mm-hmm. and that didn't didn't disappoint at all. It was such a fun matchup, you know, the 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 the, the air raid versus the triple option sure. flex yeah. Um But realistically, the game that was the most interesting is the one that was probably the most shocking. I want not one that I was looking forward to really. <laughs> I decided to turn it on a little bit because there was no other games on at the time. Um, and that's Michigan state wake forest. It okay. was, um, it was a great game. I mean, a really, really close matchup, a close win by Michigan state, 27, 21. Um, almost all the points came in the first half in the fourth quarter. There wasn't a point scored and you had, um, Jamie Newman's, you know, that, that really interesting run game of Wake Forest with, mm. with, with Kay Carney and, and all these different um, weapons they've got. Um, and then on the other side, you had, you know, Michigan State's famous uh, run defense. So it was a really good matchup. Two teams that wanted to win. Um, it was at Yankee Stadium. So it was like a, it was like a fun environment as well. And, and um, surprisingly good game. I really enjoyed it. Um, and uh, off the back of it, We've now heard that Jamie Newman might be transferring, so it kind of makes that game maybe have a little bit more legend to it as well if he ends mm. up going to a bigger program. Because although they didn't win the game, um, he was certainly uh, impressive uh, despite the fact that he hasn't got the most talented side around him. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, obviously, Newman's a player that we've mentioned a fair bit throughout the season, especially on Twitter and Thomas is a fan. And yeah, it'd be interesting to see where he goes and want to watch on that score. But yeah, no, it looked like a good game. I didn't watch that one personally, but yeah, no, I can definitely see why you why you picked that one. Um, two interesting teams, two teams that maybe would like to think they could have had a bit of a better season than they did. Um, yeah, they definitely. Yeah. In, a, in a good game. Mm-hmm. So for myself, um, this was kind of, I don't know, I guess it's kind of influenced by a few things. Obviously, my West Coast influence in terms of you know, being a big Pac-12 fan. And obviously, my team, the Chargers, uh, potentially looking at quarterback. It's number six in the draft. 
Um, obviously, I watched this with uh, with interesting eyes. My favourite game was the Rose Bowl. Now, obviously, I turned on this because I'm a big, oh, I'm quite a big Justin Herbert fan. I want to see him perform, and I think in a weird way, in a way that we maybe didn't expect him to do, I think he did. I thought it was a really good game anyway. You know, Wisconsin uh, put up a great fight. Yeah, great game. They played great really game. well, obviously very close. Obviously, Oregon won by one point in the end. It just had a lot. You know, it had Justin Herbert playing quite well um, to begin with. Open drive was pitch perfect. Then the Oregon offense kind of cooled off. And, you know, the Wisconsin team, uh, special team, sorry, returned the kickoff immediately after Oregon's first touchdown. But then they had the special team gap with a muffed punt. And Oregon then scored off that. It just had a lot, you know, it had interceptions, it had fumbles, it had decent quarterback play, it had bad quarterback play. I just think it was a really interesting game. And a little bit like what you said with the um, Yankee Stadium, obviously it was at the Rose Bowl, which is obviously a great setting for football. Really nice um, to have kind of both sets of fans 50-50 in the stadium and it just looked really great with the sort of colours that were available, obviously with the green and reds contrasting. But outside of that, I thought the football was good. Um, it was a bit of a bitty game at times, like I said. You know, it was it was some proper college football, um, which was good because you don't always get that in ball games. And you know, we saw a different side of Justin Herbert uh, being a bit of a sort of take this game by the scruff of the neck and just running a few touchdowns and uh, <laughs> giving people a few uh, stiff arms to get his way into the end zone. So I really enjoyed this game. I thought it was a really good game and um, kind of reignited my of like Justin Herbert because I kind of cooled on him throughout the season and this kind of reignited the fire of yeah, I mean, it was, it was it really was a good college football game. I think you've nailed that side of it. It was just such a entertaining game to watch. Um, you know, in, in a weird way, um, Wisconsin kind of did whatever they wanted though <laughs> until the fourth quarter, <laughs> and then just when you thought there, you know, Jonathan Taylor's about to get a big run and mm. they're about to finish them off now. It just didn't quite happen. And they ended up getting three points in that final quarter of the game. It, mm. All game long, I, I kind of felt watching it like, oh, well, Wisconsin are going to pull away at some point. And Herbert wasn't passing the ball well. They weren't, they weren't running the ball well. They couldn't really do anything they wanted. But then when it came down to it and they had to win, even though it wasn't a perfect drive in terms of, um, you know, how they would have wanted to draw it up, I mean, yeah, Justin Herbert rushing the ball to victory. Why not? You know, 30-yard run right at the end there. Um, it was shocking, but um, it was really interesting and not what anyone would have expected. If you'd have said Herbert doesn't pass the ball, Oregon don't run the ball, but he runs three rushing to mm. to win the game, no one would have believed it, you know? Um, and that's with Jonathan Taylor still running the ball well. I mean, it, it was it was a funny one, and I, and I think it was credit to Herbert that he came through there um, even though he didn't have his best game I still think he's limited I still think he's not necessarily ready to play in the NFL right now and I'd be wary of a really high pick if you wanted to start straight away but certainly good signs from this game um, and off the back of it the offensive coordinator for the Ducks as well Marcus Arroyo has um, taken the head coach job at UNLV mm-hmm. so um, good for him because he's had a great year um, and I'm looking forward to see what he can do in a smaller program um, so great end to the season um, and even though he didn't get the victory it was a nice little ending for Jonathan Taylor as well who, who ran well once again yeah for sure um, yeah just on Justin Herbert obviously, obviously I was mentioning in my build up to this that obviously um, considering the, you know, the Chargers may take him at number 6 I will pick up on what you said and say that I'm quite content for him to sit 
at least to begin the season, because I do think like that have cooled on him a little bit. I do think he isn't quite there as an NFL starting quarterback yet. I do think that season is very, very high though, so maintain that sort of always thought. But I am quite content with him to kind of pick um good trade back or you know, yeah, maybe that's just one I'm not sure, don't maybe think not, but I think, you know, I'm quite content with that to happen and, and yeah, I think that would be good for him, certainly. Whether it will happen or not, we're not sure, but um, but uh, we'll see, and it would be good for him, certainly. Yeah, I would say so. Obviously, we'll sort of be diving into all this sort of thing when we do our sort of draft build-up throughout the, you know, the next few weeks, um, and obviously just know it'll be front and centre almost when we um, talk about the quarterbacks, you know, if he's, you know, one that's got a big question mark over him. Obviously, we know where Joe Burrow is going to be going. We think um, two obviously will be uh, mentioned quite a lot, especially when we get the medical uh, sort of reviews from after the surgery and things like that. But yeah, really interesting class to come up. So, yeah, no, I really enjoyed the, the uh, Oregon Wisconsin game. That was my favorite pick for my favorite bowl. So, what we're going to do to finish off just a little bit of news. <laughs> So this is kind of a late addition, obviously this is something that's kind of come out in the last uh, last few hours. Um, obviously a coach that we spoke about quite a lot, Maxwell, obviously you've written an article about Baylor and now we've seen Matt Rule get his move to uh, Carolina. Yeah, honestly, um, it, it's a big decision for Matt Rule because he's moving away from a program which he's built up from 1-11 two years ago to 11-1 this year. You know, you're going to hear that rattled around quite a lot in the next few weeks because it really has been an amazing transformation. He's obviously done it before with Temple as well, so this isn't the first time we've seen him do this. Um, but David Tepper... Is the new, you know, he's the. If anyone who watched the All or Nothing series, they know he's the new uh, owner of the Panthers. He took over after the whole scandal of a uh, previous owner. And he's a smart businessman. He's a guy who's made hundreds of millions of dollars for himself. You know, he came from nothing, he did it all himself on the stock market. And, and he wanted to make a statement and he wanted to invest in someone he could believe in. And, um, Matt Rule is, he sees that in him. And the early word is that he's going to give him a lot of freedom, mm. not just in coaching personnel, but apparently, and we'll see how this has a knock on effect for the GM, um, but also for player personnel. Um, so, Matt Rule, you know, the word on the street is he's going to be given a lot of power. Um, so, it's very much an all or nothing situation for him. If it doesn't work, well, that's Matt Rule's fault. Um, but that's a good position because that's where he wants to be. That's what he's done before. And um, I have a lot of faith. I think it's a good organization. I think there's some really good players in that building. And I think he's an amazing coach. So best of luck to him. And to be honest, I think the Chargers have done a good job. Sorry, the uh, Panthers are my next yeah. decision. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that for sure. Obviously, we've, we've spoke about Matt Rule. He, he's a culture guy, isn't he? He gets the players playing for him. And that's the kind of person that can drive it franchise or a program in college from the depth to the heights that he has. And like I said, I think it's good for him to have that control, get the people in who he wants and have, you know, be able to construct the roster how he sees fit. It's also given him a lot of money as well. It's proven to be a seven-year deal worth uh, $60 million. So, you know, he's made himself a lot of money um, over the past few years with his promises in college football and now he's going to reap the benefits of it financially in the NFL. 
So yeah, no, Peter Ricefield for that one, I guess. I think it's a good hire. I had him down to go to New York, to be honest with you. I thought he'd uh, end up there, but obviously, you know, he, he's got good rosters to start with in Carolina. He's got some few few decisions to make, obviously, with the likes of Cam Newton and whether they are going to keep him. Uh, that's an interesting one to see. Um, so yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Do you do you think, um, though, you know, we've, we've talked about the deal that they ran. Do you think he'll run this 3-3-5-D in the NFL? Well, it's Phil Snow's defense, who's his current defensive coordinator at Baylor. Um, Matt Rule is famously an offensive guy. He is a former offensive line coach for the Giants. And um, he really allowed Phil Snow to have a lot of freedom. The only thing that he famously told Phil Snow was that he wanted him to be up with the latest trends. He wanted him to do what was best for his players. So I think, in my opinion, that Baylor defense will... Sorry, the... The, the Baylor defense will translate in one sense only, which is Phil Snow will put out the best defense for their players. He's a really good coach. And I think um, whether that means a 3-3-5 in the NFL, I don't mm-hmm. know. But I think it could do. I think, you know, something fresher for the NFL wouldn't hurt. And obviously, not every team runs kind of spread offenses. Um, so it won't, you know, just like with Baylor now, they don't necessarily run a three front when they're playing Kansas State or whoever they're playing. They're sure. some kind of yeah. heavy run team. Um, but when they when they are facing those kind of more passing teams, um, I think we will see that. And um, I think he's a smart guy, and I'm really looking forward to it. To be honest, it could be an interesting move for the uh, for NFL's defensive coordinators. Yeah, for sure. Because, like you say, I think it is going to be something that's going to be different. It's not something you see in the NFL or you know, not even college football very often. So I think it's going to be new, it's going to be fresh, it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. Um, yeah, no, watch, watch this space, I think. And Carolina uh, are going to be a team that I'm going to be watching more of this, you know, this coming year um, in 2020. Because not, not, not a franchise that have moved the needle probably too much, and I've said that so on the, the NFL podcast that also now in the past, but now that um, Matt Rule's there, it's nice for sure. Yeah, we'll see. Um, it's going to be very exciting, so I'm looking forward to seeing the Panthers play next year. And if I had to call it right now, I, I am very confident that Cam Newton's going to stay. Yeah, okay. What makes you say that? Well, I think part of the problem was lack of faith from the coaching staff previously. Um, not that Ron Rivera's a bad guy. I like Ron Rivera, but it's hard, you know, when you see that kind of thing happen again and again. So I think Matt Rule will want a quarterback and um, that quarterback will be the one who's already in the building. I would, I would say that's most likely. I mean, it obviously depends on medicals. He obviously wasn't right when he began those two games to start this uh, NFL season. He's had a lot of time to heal up. Hopefully, you know he can heal up because obviously he's a very talented player, and you know you don't want to see players sort of go out of the league or be sort of pushed out the door. And it's not my team, obviously, because I've got no sort of vested interest in it. But I do feel like the the best place for Matt Rule to start would be to have an established quarterback and not have to, you know, unless he wants to pick his own guy. But I don't think that'd be the best way to start. He, he's probably best off as a first time NFL head coach to. Well, yeah, the thing is, well, he's done all this with ever, without ever having a good quarterback. I mean, yeah. he's now been at Temple and Baylor, and he's never had a good quarterback. So he's probably looking at Cam Newton thinking, this is bloody the best thing that's ever happened to me. So, <laughs> um, 
I'm I'm quite excited for for that because we've never seen a Matt Rule quarterback with a, a guy who can actually do some things outside of schemed up <laughs> plays. Um, and equally for Cam wow. Newton, you know, Cam Newton's had a great coordinator this year, um, but it will also be nice for him to have some easy throws and some, you know, things that can move the chains without him working too hard. He'll love it. Yeah, I think that's a good point, actually, because Cam's not the most accurate quarterback at the best time. So if you get some easier throws, you get some nice open lanes to run that are, you know, that are schemed open for him. And, and yeah, I think we're going to be making some magic maybe down in Carolina. I don't know. But yeah, no, it's exciting times to say the least, I would say. Yep, yep. Okay. So awesome. now that's it. Looking forward to the playoffs and yeah, whatever else we've got to hear. We'll be we'll be back um just after the, the college football uh, national final, sorry. Next week. Um we'll be reviewing that one next week and, and like I said before picking the bones out of it. But for today, I think that's all we have for you. So yeah, goodbye from Maxwell. Yep, goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the other side. Thanks for listening to the podcast. For all your football needs, check out our website, full10yards.com, or follow us on Twitter at full10yards CFB. And remember, keep those eyes peeled.